0: Welcome to the Recovery Daily Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Miller. Um, (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) I'm a stroke survivor and grateful recovering alcoholic. Today I'm going to talk about building bridges in stroke recovery, if my voice will (coughs) allow me to do so. Um, One of the things that I talk about in this podcast is doing the next right thing. And I learned this in my sobriety program, and what it means to me is knowing that I need to accomplish something. For example, I need to go to a sobriety meeting. I've talked about this before, so the small accomplishments that lead up to that larger goal of going to a sobriety meeting are things like getting up off the couch, getting picking up my keys, getting in the car. These are all steps that I take in order to get closer to reaching that bigger goal, going to the sobriety meeting. So I may not feel like on any given day these small movements that I make in my life are really that impactful but they are to me the next right thing so if I'm sitting in my living room on a Saturday morning the next right thing if I'm sitting there thinking oh I don't want to do anything I know that the next right thing is that I need to go to a go to my sobriety meeting. So in order to accomplish that, uh, some days it just seems like a big weight to lift. So the next right thing, um, if I break it down even more, is to just stand up. Um, so in that light, today, I was thinking, What is the next right thing for me today? Um, And the reason I was thinking this is because I got a call from the neuropsychology, psychiatry, yeah, the neuropsychiatrist, um, because I have a neuropsychiatric exam that I needed to schedule in order to um, evaluate my cognitive impairments and so the individual from the office called to schedule the appointment and the soonest I could get in is December 19th so wah wah Um, and I thought I can't help it but I think to myself so what does that mean? that means, you know, what's today? It's September 12th. So do I do nothing until December 19th? Like, what does that look like for my recovery? And being in this mindset of wanting to continue to, I guess, uh, the best way to word it is having the willingness to recover I need to find what the next right thing for me to do is. And so I immediately thought the next right thing for me is to get involved and build bridges in stroke recovery. This is what I had to do uh, when I first got sober. And knowing that I'm always drawing parallels between the two recoveries, I know that um, this is what I need to do now as well. Um, it's so important to be exposed to other people like me. Um, I've learned also from other folks suffering from um you know, mental illness and other physical uh, illnesses that it's so helpful to be able to walk that journey alongside somebody else to learn from each other and walk the journey together. A challenge for me that I have felt that has been holding me back is the fact that my neurological vision impairment, which was the result of my stroke, keeps me from being able to go online and do that kind of research to build a community for myself to find support groups and find help out there. And today, I recognized, I said out loud to myself, Rachel, that's an excuse. It was a challenge before I learned voiceover. And now I'm at the point where I'm not perfect at it. But I can now uh, do web searches using voiceover. It takes longer because I'm still learning how to navigate um, with all the applications on my Mac. I can do it a little better on my phone, but I'd really like to continue to learn it on my computer. So it's really an opportunity, you know, it's it's no longer a challenge. It's no longer an excuse. It's now an opportunity it's an opportunity for me to continue to polish my skills using Voiceover for Mac. And it's an opportunity for me to uh, start building a sense of community within myself. and um, and so uh, that's what uh, what I did today, I, I knew that I needed to get involved in stroke recovery programs to strengthen that feeling of community just like I did in sobriety so that I could listen to other people's experience strength and hope and I I want to meet people. I you know when I was drinking that is the last thing I wanted to do was talk to people. I was isolating myself and I have found that same thing happens throughout this stroke recovery. If I don't remain spiritually fit um, and I continue to, if I'm not continuing to seek joy and serenity and growth, then I start isolating again. Um, it, It continues to be fascinating to me, the similarities between my sobriety recovery and my stroke recovery. So I need to show up more in the stroke recovery community so that I can have more opportunities to grow and to flourish in my new normal. And um, I'm still trying to figure out what that new normal is, but um, I think I'm learning every day. I was also thinking about in sobriety, when we first get into sobriety, we're encouraged to volunteer. Um, When we go to meetings, we're encouraged to... Make the coffee, or lead a meeting, or contribute in some way. You know, be the greeter when people show up. Just say hi, introduce yourself, and um, and ask them to introduce themselves. And so, I'd like to pursue uh, looking at what volunteering looks like in the stroke uh, recovery community. And doing this research will give me ideas for being more present and will also help me to learn about resources that are available to me. Um, Are there additional places that I can provide my experience, strength, and hope? Um, I want to go to these support groups not to share my experience, strength and hope, but to hear others. But what I've found in sobriety is, sure, I, I started by going and wanting to hear from others. But what I was told when I got there is, as a newcomer, they learned a lot from me. They learned a lot. They were reminded what it was like in the beginning. And when we're reminded from people who are just starting out their journey, what it was what it's like for them, we're reminded and it kind of gives us more of a a jolt, you know, that pick me up a push to keep going further in recovery to keep uh, that momentum going. So I already started out today reaching out to multiple stroke recovery support groups to get the Zoom information. I wanted to be able to join and then also be added to the contact list so that I can learn more about activities going on in stroke recovery um at the current time I think it would be not beneficial for me to try to venture out in person to these just because of my my vision challenges and um the impacts that it has on my head and my energy level but um as I learn voiceover, I can actually join meetings and and online events and such without looking. So I'm gonna continue to to keep learning that. I think that's really been an open door for me. And it's when I have these kinds of moments of clarity. <laughs> where like this morning I'm like what is the next right thing it's because I'm unsettled something has agitated me something is stressing me out I had a friend this morning that called me and we were just talking this is my friend that calls me every day (laughs) and we were talking I just was like, I don't know what to do. You know, there's some days that I'm like, okay, I'm getting this. I'm starting to learn how to live in recovery, um, and then I have a day where I find out that my my neurological or my neuro hmm, psychiatric exam isn't going to be for three months and I feel I feel kind of like that my balloon popped you know and so it's usually when I have that kind of feeling that I have after the clouds clear up you know and I kind of push them out of the way I have a moment of clarity where I realize that I need to take some sort of action. And I'm really grateful that I have that kind of response. And the reason I do is because I'm making myself accountable by doing this podcast. I really am. I can't tell you how much that this is helping me to keep moving forward because I have to show up every day. Having a daily podcast episode is, is an example of how I have to show up for recovery every day. And that whole, that's why it's called the recovery daily podcast, because I have to show up every day for my recovery. It's the, it's the only way for me, it really is the only way. So what I'm reminded of as I was reaching out and, and learning more about stroke support groups in the area and out of my area. um, I remembered that reaching out is just the first step. That's just the first step. Next is when you show up to these support groups and these meetings and these events all of these opportunities to be a part of a community or fellowship in recovery whether it's stroke or sobriety what i've learned is if i show up early or and stay late you know stay a few minutes late and continue talking to the people that happen to stay you know, after the quote-unquote bell rings, and and see what else other people's have to set, ha, other people have to say. That's where the relationships are built. That's where I start getting to know about members' lives, like the people that are a part of the group, how they navigate the things that to them, don't seem worth sharing about in a meeting, but are sometimes where the most valuable lessons are for me on how to live in recovery. In the program of recovery, we believe that we need to change our attitude and actions to stay sober. We need to act our way into better thinking rather than trying to think our way into better acting. And some believe that this starts with discipline. An example that I hear all the time in sobriety is making your bed in the morning. If you get in the habit of making your bed in the morning, you are starting the day out cleaning. You know, you're, you're putting things right. It doesn't matter that you're going to get back in your bed 12 hours later. What matters is right now, I'm straightening things up. I'm starting in a, in uh, my day in a positive way. And creating that kind of discipline and habit is really healthy for our uh, s- spiritual, emotional, mental state. Another example um, that I have started doing um, it's been quite a it's been several years now um, that I started doing this, but I get on my knees every night before I go to bed, uh, right beside my bed, and. I express my gratitude for my sobriety. And over the years, I have continued to um, to add to that. So I express my gratitude for my sobriety and my gratitude for not having the desire to smoke. So I added smoking to my program. And then recently, uh, over the past two months, since I've started um, on disability and starting to really put my recovery, my stroke recovery first, I have added to my gratitude before I go to bed, um, the willingness to recover. So I do finish that. So I, I, I express my gratitude for sobriety, my gratitude for not having the desire to smoke, my willingness to recover, and then at the very end, I say, Thy will be done, not mine. And the reason for that is because I know I cannot control uh, much of what's happening. The only thing I can control is my willingness to recover my willingness to show up every day, and my willingness to participate in activities that are going to encourage my healing, whether that's rest, which I learned a lot about today, and I'll talk a little bit more about that. But um, some other things that I do uh, as, a, as a discipline and habit is I read a tiny little bit of literature before I go to bed. Go to bed. So here there are several things that I do before I go to bed. This is my. This is a peek into the mysterious world of Rachel's bedtime <laughs> ritual. So the first thing I did, do after I brush my teeth and wash my face and take my all my medications, um, I do push-ups. I do 10 push ups before I go to bed. There, I spilled it. And um, I don't do them every day. I do them every other day. 10 push ups. And these are 10 push ups, nose to ground push ups, 10 of them. And then after I do that, I stretch. So I have some yoga poses. I was big into yoga for a while. I'm trying to get back into it, but. The excitement seems to have uh, dissipated, so I'm trying to build that back up. But anyway, well, I do have some stretches that I love from yoga. So after I do my push-ups, I do some stretches that um, stretch out my back and my and my hips, and and then after that, I do my um, my grateful prayer on my knees beside my bed. And then when I get in my bed, I read a meditation. My daughter gave me this very thick meditation book that uh, she gave me a couple of years ago. I'm still going through it. I read like oh maybe a half a page a night. All it has is like multiple one-sentence meditations, like thoughts that you can meditate on. And I'll read a few of them until one strikes me as something that I'd like to go to sleep thinking about. And then I have another little paragraph that I read, which is about uh, step 10 in my sobriety program. And that little paragraph reminds me to take a short look back at my day and see uh do did I treat everybody with kindness um do I owe anybody an amends am I being uh, of service to others that kind of thing and then after that I have this little bottle of lavender oil and I put a little bit of that on my temples and so I have this nice little lavender scent And then uh, as I fall asleep, I listen to the Calm app and listen to a sleep story. And I'm typically, I think I fall asleep probably like five or ten minutes into the sleep story. But that's it. So it's kind of a big schedule, I think, a big list of stuff I do before bed. But this um, disciplined schedule that I keep before I go to bed, it, I have found, puts me just so delicately to bed. You know, it's almost like I'm treating myself the way I would want my mother to treat me, to put me to bed as a child, you know. Um, I just go through these these short, very pleasant and soothing activities. And by the time I lay my head on my pillow, I feel like I'm really in a nice, um, restful state. So I'm constantly growing new habits as well in my stroke recovery. And some of these habits have been Working through my vision therapy, which I still do on my own, although I'm not going to the vision therapist anymore uh, because we wanted the neurologist um, and I talked more about pain management and getting a, a, a handle on that first. I wasn't really seeing a lot of progress or. Um, uh I don't even know what the right word is to use i I just wasn't seeing uh much happening with the uh vision therapy uh avenue so we I've stopped doing that at least for now and I'm taking more of the medical route as i um as I try to eliminate the head pain, and then, um, and then do some of these things like the uh, ambulatory EEG, which I did this past weekend, and I'm still waiting for the results for that, and then my upcoming uh, neuropsychiatric test, which, uh, as I said, is is not for a while. Um, other than that, I feel like the thing that I do the most for my stroke recovery is rest. And we talked a lot about that in my stroke survivor support group I went to today. So, really exciting. I um, After I pursued some of these support groups that I found online this morning I reached out to them via email and I got an answer back from one of them so far and they just happened to be meeting today and they're on the west coast which was great because I was napping when I thought it was at three o'clock and I was napping I woke up at 3:30 and I thought oh bummer I missed it. And then uh, when I checked my email, it said that um, it's West Coast time. Of course, it's uh, it's West Coast. So I was able to go at six o'clock today, and so I wanted to share a little bit about what I heard in the support group because it was just really great. I really enjoy it. I enjoyed it. There were. Um, I think at some point there were about 30 people in there, which was really encouraging. Some of the things that I learned, uh, from listening to there, there was a, I think a neuropsychiatrist was the person leading the meeting, if I'm not mistaken. And then some of the other folks in the meeting, um, what I learned was to, um, is was to focus on being patient. Um, And it sounds like a lot of us in recovery are get frustrated with how long recovery takes. Um, It's not something that just, you know, happens after three months, like I thought when I first had my stroke, Went on short-term disability for three months, and then fighting in denial and fighting going on long-term disability. I just went back to work, and you know what did I do? I, I, I don't know if I re-injured myself or just just uh, exacerbated the problem or what happened, but after two years of of just working anyway, I was in bad shape a couple months ago when I had to walk away from, from work again and go on short-term disability, which is now extending over into long-term disability. You know, I was at the point where I just couldn't even, I couldn't look at anything. I had extreme pain in my head, sharp pains, um, any kind of pain, every kind of pain you could have in your head, sharp, dull, you know, thumping. I had all of it all at once. It was just, it was terrible. I couldn't look at anybody in the face. It hurt my head. Um, it, it was awful. And I did that to myself uh, because I wasn't willing to be patient and let my body heal. Honestly, I didn't know what the injury was. I didn't know what to what extent my impairment was was, you know, um, restricting me, it's, it's hard. One of the things we talked about today is finding balance and, and the lead of the meeting um, shared with me that it sounded like I needed to find balance in doing and not doing. And, you know, I just met these people and she <laughs> totally could, totally understood what my challenges were. That I was somebody who couldn't stop moving. And um, and so some other things, I'll get some more into that, but some other things I learned in the meeting today were... To focus on what we can do instead of what we can't do. And I've talked about that in previous episodes. Um, to remember to have gratitude for what we have, what we still have. You know, that we're st- alive, for goodness sakes. Um, uh also folks talked about how as we recover the changes that we're undergoing are not necessarily noticeable um it's not like when we had the stroke we went from you know being able to do all of these things to all of a sudden not being able to do these things but when we are trying to recover things start improving so slowly that um, that it just doesn't even seem like anything's happening and I know I've talked about that many times in my episodes but What I know also, and they talked about this in the meeting, is that I don't have to be alone. I don't have to do this recovery alone. And I've known that, and that's why I started this podcast, because I know that I don't have to do this alone. I didn't have to get sober alone, and I don't have to face this stroke recovery alone because I, you know, I'm just another human being. And I know that there's other people like me. And the more that I can show up to um, make myself available to opportunities to learn from other people, then that's what I'm going to do. And for me, it started with this podcast, it started with using the one thing that I knew I could still do. And that was use my voice. And I was thinking about that this morning also, that now that I know how to use voiceover on my phone, I can show up to these recovery stroke uh, support groups and use my voice there and listen. You know, I think the most important thing about those groups is listening more than talking because that's all I can do here for the podcast but um but showing up and listening um so we talked about um mental balance and that really resonated with me so um finding a place where our mind, body, and emotions align. And someone talked about thinking that we can do something when our bodies can't do it. And although a lot of the folks that were sharing were talking about physical uh, mobility restrictions, mine is not physical mobility. It's all um, in my head. It's, it's uh, my vision and kind of almost balance. I mean, we're talking about balance today, but I get uh, dizzy and nauseous and, and all of these things as well. And so I tend to think that, well, let me just, for example, I needed to do some research on insurance, on uh, disability insurance and medical insurance and all of that uh, this evening. And what my mind was telling me was, Rachel, you can do this a hell of a lot faster if you just use your eyes and but yet my recovery mindset is telling me even though you can doesn't mean that you should because all that's gonna do is make you feel bad so I forced myself to to use voiceover and um It's a struggle. That's my, that's the balance that I'm challenged with finding is not doing when I am so used to doing and uh, the professional in the meeting today said that um, if, if we continue to do When our body needs us to not do, then our body gets sick until we are brought back into balance. And I can so relate to that completely. Um, Our society focuses on doing and not on being is what she said. And I just spoke about this just a few episodes ago. So it was interesting that she said this, and that is that resting is doing something. Um, so she just reiterated that as well. And so we talked about how um, how we deal with difficulty, um, how folks encourage their body parts, you know, in in their recovery, they're dealing with, like I said, mobility. And as they continue to uh, work on the mobility of, say, their hand, they encourage their hand. And I thought that was really relatable for me, because what I've been doing is when I meditate, I focus on my brain. I've talked about that before when, you know, there's lots of people that that have you focus on your breathing when you meditate. And <laughs> I've talked about my challenges with that. It makes me feel like I can't breathe. What I like to do is focus on... I'm imagining the neurons in my head building bridges. That's what I'm imagining. And in my meditation series that I did, I think the very first one was about building bridges. And in that one, it was building bridges between your neurons. So I try to imagine my brain healing those connections Um, when I do my meditations, um, but these, these folks were talking about actually talking to your brain, saying good job brain and, and saying it like you would say it to your child to provide love and appreciation to them. So, um, it sounds like lots of people, and this is why I went, to hear that other people are experiencing the same things as I am, um, having challenges slowing down and letting my body catch up with, actually it's the other way around, letting my brain catch up with my body. My note says from my meeting was letting my body catch catch up with my brain but I think it's the other way around for me right because my brain what what I'm doing in my body for example when I'm baking and my brain checks out and then checks back in and I'm doing something that doesn't make any sense like putting the butter in the cabinet it's like my brain is catching up with my body so that's kind of an interesting realization at this very moment. Um, so so I was also reminded to make time to talk to friends and and to not let my stroke and my alcoholism be my whole story, but be just a part of the story. And just have these recoveries be—they're just chapters in my life, and, um, and it's easier for me to to heal my whole body rather than focus on the parts of it. Um, and one thing uh, that I also heard <laughs> that I thought was funny to me because I've been telling people this for a few years now whenever you can say the word but try to replace it with the word and and it will completely change your 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 state of mind at least it does for me um so (laughs) I can't even give you an example right now let me try let me try um and this also goes with instead of saying I have to do something, say I get to do something. These small little word changes can really impact my mood for the entire day. So if I say uh, I have to research insurance and uh, Disability and medical insurance today. Instead, I say I get to research insurance, uh, medical insurance and disability insurance today. And you know why it's an opportunity why I get to do it? Because I'm still around, you know, because I'm still able to function in such a way that I can actually still do my own research. So if I don't change that word to get to, then I'm not acknowledging that uh, I still have things to be grateful for. Um, So replacing the word but with and, let me try that one. Um, Let's see. I went to a stroke survivor support group today but it doesn't meet again until next month. Change that to, I went to a stroke survivor support group today, and it meets again next month. And that just completely changes it to an opportunity again. It's just, um, that's one of the ways... That I force myself to have that positive attitude that I'm I'm usually known for. Um, so uh, these are all the great things that I think ha- that happened today for me, and I'm going to continue to pursue how I can get more involved in stroke support groups and organizations. And I actually have another one, a stroke support group tomorrow. And this is the one that I accidentally missed last month, but, um, but went in July. So I know that it's happening again tomorrow. So I'm looking forward to that. So uh, if anybody from the support group happens to be listening to this episode from um, the support group today, hello welcome and thanks for listening and um thank you all for for being here and being a part of my journey i will talk to you tomorrow